Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 19, Sloth, part 4 of our Virtues and Vices series, recorded Thursday, April 18th of 2013, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game, I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. You sound Deflated. down about that. Well, I don't know. I'm just not feeling this. I think I'm just going to, like, go play video Aww. games or something. I mean... Just... <laughs> Alright. I guess we'll ruin it for everyone and prove a point about our episode today. Mm. Alright, fine. No, seriously, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, it took me a second. It honestly did. Yeah, it, it took me a second, too, and I was like, oh, wait. I am not the sharpest today. <laughs> this is the sloth episode. Brandon's making a sloth joke. Yes, and yes. And it was like, I was all like, well played, sir. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll send you the appropriate gif in a bit. All right. Oh, man. So, anything going on for you guys? We're getting rainstorms composed of other smaller rainstorms around here. It's really quite... Rainy. Your dog, I heard you like rain? Yeah, so we put rain in your rain so you could be soaked and flooded while you're soaked and flooded. <laughs> there you go. I'm apparently full of memes today. I apologize. Yeah, that's fine. Lazy thinking. Oh, oh, oh. see what I did there. <laughs> okay, so for the, the area where I live, apparently, I heard this on the radio today, and it was a weather person, so I didn't take the time to verify it because I figured she would know. She said that the wettest April that we had on record was about 8 inches of rain for this area. We've gotten that in the last 24 hours. Impressive. Yeah, not so much. Uh, sinkholes, flooding. Yeah, I heard about a sinkhole in Chicago, I think, or Chicago yep, area. that would be the one. Swallowed up three cars, yeah. Go. Man, it's like the Florida of the north up there. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, I apologize to Chicago <laughs> and to Florida. <laughs> uh. At least we don't have alligators, at least ones that aren't in zoos. Ooh, that's true. So I guess the big news for me is I found a good church to start going to. Oh, awesome. Where are you going? Greer Presbyterian Church. Actually, I think it's now First Presbyterian Church of Greer. Greer being the town I live in now. Really nice, really knowledgeable pastoral staff, and really just very pleasant church to be at. So it's kind of nice. It's the first church I've been to in a little while that's really felt like my home church. Oh, that's a good thing. It's kind of a pleasant change. I think that's where we're going to end up going. Went to Sunday school last week. They have a very nice little three-part series of Sunday school classes for people who are coming into the Presbyterian church, and specifically this church. The first week is Presbyterian theology. Yeah, I think you touched on a little bit of this last week, actually. I did, yeah. And the second one is uh, the history of this particular church and congregation. And the third one is kind of the organization of the church, the the church body, church officers, what they call the polity of the church. And, and it's kind of designed for people who've both been out of the church for a while and kind of want to get back into this church and people who are becoming Presbyterian after having been something else. Unfortunately, I missed the one I was really interested in, which was the theology one, because I was incredibly sick um, and did not want to share. Is it something that they offer on a kind of a rotating basis yeah, that you can come the up. next time around? Yeah, and that's what I'm going to do. Oh, for a second I thought, is was the sickness offered on some kind of rotating basis that you could catch the next time around? Yes, have you, <laughs> sorry, have you been to high schools? <laughs> uh, no, that, that would explain okay. a lot of my intelligence right. level. Have you worked with the public? <laughs> no, I tend to not like them. 
Uh, yeah, all right. If you work in retail for a while, you'll really not like them. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Just everything was really nice. I haven't actually been to a service there this year because Chrissy was sick, and so I had our daughter there, and she was kind of flipping out. I, I could not leave her in the nursery. Okay, you guys are not... None of the members of your family are allowed to get sick for the rest of the year. You are hogging all the illness. Somebody else needs to have a turn. I'll let them have it. <laughs> Trust me. This is something that happens to both of us. We get through the whole winter without really getting sick, and then right as spring breaks, we both come down with some horrible, nasty cold. Uh, and it's terrible. And it's like, ugh, but it's nice outside. And I have to sit in here and be miserable while it's nice outside. This yeah. is cruel irony. It is cruel irony. Yeah. It's the way of it. Don't ask me why. Anyway, so I'm, I'm excited about that, and as I kind of get more into that particular congregation, I'm sure I'll have more to talk about. It'll just be, it's nice to have a home church that's mine and is Presbyterian, frankly. Oh, fantastic. Brandon, anything going on? I bought my cap and gown today, which Ooh. officially means that I will be walking at graduation. Well done. Unless I decide not to. Well so. done. Very nice. Bravo. Uh, real quick, for anybody who's just joining us for this episode and hasn't heard anything previously, what we're doing tonight is a continuation of what we're calling our Virtues and Vices series, which is the three of us talking about the traditional seven deadly sins and seven heavenly virtues and just sort of comparing the, the vice in one episode and the next episode we'll talk about the uh, contrary virtue. If we reference stuff that you haven't heard yet, that's what that is. You'll be able to find all of those on our website, savingthegamepodcast.org, if you want to go there and listen to those relevant parts of our backlog, or all of it. Good luck. So, yeah. Cool. Shall we get this going with some scripture, then? Yeah, let's. All right. This is Proverbs twenty four thirty to 34 I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Hebrews 6, 9-12 even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him, as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So, sloth. Aren't those like a type of animal that like hang in trees and they've got like They do, toes? and have algae growing in their fur because they're too lazy, or not too lazy, but too slow to move. They have nasty claws and yeah. They're fun and cute and apparently a new internet meme. Don't ask me why. I'm full of memes today. Okay, so seriously. Sloth is a little bit of a funny vice. As with most of the vices we've talked about so far through the series, it's very common for everyone who talks about these, especially in the vernacular, to oversimplify these vices, often as a way of excusing their behavior, saying, oh, it's not sloth, or not wanting to define it as broadly for their own peace of mind. Sloth is more than simple laziness. When we say sloth in English, 
referring to this particular sin, what we're really talking about is the Greek word akedia, which translates best as wariness, torpor, a sense of tedium, almost boredom. It certainly encompasses an unwillingness to work, to labor, the responsibilities that you have in the temporal world. That's half of it. The other half that gets overlooked is spiritual weariness. It's despair and a boredom when thinking about and preparing to deal with the difficulties inherent in walking that straight and narrow path. St. Thomas may have defined it best. He's got a very long definition of sloth. To put it very simply, he defined it as an oppressive sorrow, specifically denoting a sorrow for spiritual good. A Jesuit friar named John Hardin defined sloth as sluggishness of soul or boredom because of the exertion necessary for the performance of a good work. Good work may be a corporal task such as walking or a mental exercise such as writing or a spiritual duty such as prayer. Right. I've actually heard a Methodist minister that I like, Adam Hamilton, define it as apathy in a sermon before. Apathy. There we go. That's a very good word for it. It's more than, you know, I'm not doing it. It's I have no interest in doing it. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of the, I don't want to, I'm comfortable. My wife and I have a joking term that we have come up with for, like, the unwillingness to get out of bed in the morning that we call bed is too darn comfy-itis. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I think I need to here coin the phrase, we have a daughter-itis. <laughs> yeah, so procrastination is a very common example of oh, sloth. And goodness, yes. It, if you think about procrastination in a, a spiritual sense. Have you ever had something you you need to do, and you've just been dreading it? Not because it's dangerous, or it's important, like, you know, hey, I'm going in for a job interview, and if I don't get this, I'll be on the unemployment line, kind of important, but just it's going to be work. Like, oh, I do not want to clean out the flower bed today, or tomorrow, or this week, or anything like that. I'll give you a perfect example. Go for it. I will throw myself under the the sloth bus here. I've got a perfect example. For the longest time, I have been wanting to make a UTM box for my network here at home. A, A hardware firewall, basically. You take an old computer, you install some software and an extra network card on it, you do some configuration, and whammo, you have enterprise grade security on your home network. This is probably something that would take an afternoon, even with the configuration and stuff like that. I've been wanting to do this for over a year and a half. I still haven't gotten around to it, despite having gone on multiple vacations during that time. And my flower bed example is a very specific and pointed example, pointed right at me. I've been staring at my yard for about a year and a half going, I should do something about this Well, and the the really crazy thing about a lot of this stuff is... Once you finally do force yourself to do it, or someone else does it for you, <laughs> this is one of the things that spouses are wonderful for, and I'm, mm. I'm really joking about the wonderfulness of it, even if it is a little hard. A lot of the time you wind up enjoying yeah, it. absolutely. And that's one of the funny things about sloth, is it keeps you from enjoying something good. St. Thomas defined sloth as being dangerous in two ways. And in that first way, it's sloth is the opposite of that joy we as Christians should feel in doing something good or engaging in some sort of spiritual good and in serving God appropriately. That's something we're commanded to take joy in because it is a good thing that we're doing. 
and sloth is the opposite of that. It's this apathetic sorrow, if you will, this dread of doing something good. You know the word that keeps coming to my mind as we talk about this? Hmm. Not, sorrow seems too, like, actual weeping and stuff to me, but ennui yeah. really seems to fit. That's the feeling that comes to my mind as well. Apparently you've got all the vocabulary I've been trying to come up with all this week. Well, that is why is we have three hosts. I but mean. yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> right. That boredom, you know, that ennui sense is the opposite of what we should be feeling. And the second danger of sloth is that because we sort of take that perverse pleasure in that sloth, we fail to accomplish some real good. It encourages us to avoid good works or improving our relationship with God or even just... Our relationship with somebody else. Yeah, doing the things that help us be productive, useful members of society or members of our families. Whatever our responsibilities are. Honestly, even just happy and fulfilled. Yeah. There's a lot that you can kind of avoid and... You won't really do any sort of active harm to yourself by doing it, but you're going to miss out on so much. Exactly. I'm making it to Fear the Con this year, almost certainly, unless something tragic happens. Mm-hmm. I kind of had to go back and forth a little bit, like, oh, do I really want to go to the bother of going to this thing? And it's like, yes, yes, I do. I know all these people. I'm friends with them over, you know, the internet. It would be nice to, you know, put some faces with the screen names. It'd you know, I would really enjoy this. The the outlay and the effort that are necessary to make it down there, I am confident, will be worth it. Exactly. Yeah, and the similar thing happened to me with the initiation that actually just happened this past weekend for my film return. Mm-hmm. It was on the weekend, and I, I was getting ready to go down, and then like I'm like, oh, I have time to do one more thing, which is sloth. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I'm like, all of a sudden, that one more thing turns into another more thing. And then I'm like, oh, no, I I am probably going to be late. There's no way I'm going to calculate in drive time. I'm like, look, do I even want to go? Like, do I want to go? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to go. And so I looked at the time, and I'm like, oh, wait, it's actually starting an hour later. I have time. I can make it there. And so Good. I did. And it was actually a really great time. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of college... I can tell you one of the reasons I did not finish college was this very intense sloth and lethargy, some of which was physical in nature. Essentially, I I was very depressed in college, uh, which I've talked about before, I think. But that is sort of, you know, our weak, fallen natures contributing to, you know, these sins. And a lot of it was something I could very well have overcome if I had the willpower to do it, and I did not, which is why I did not finish college. I didn't perform, and I didn't want to do the things I should be should have been doing. I'll see your didn't finish and raise you a didn't go in the first place for the longest time. Uh, and, you know, if we want a gaming example, I'm working on a play-by-post game that I'm trying to get going, and I've been stalling a bit on getting the final pieces in place so that we can actually get the game going. Do you want an even better thing? I I know when my game sessions are supposed to be, and it always takes... It's like right now, I am just now putting up the call for people coming to the games, and I know an idea of what I want to have them to do, but I haven't planned it out yet. Mm-hmm. Sloth is a stereotypical thing that happens. It's all over role-playing games. Oh, yeah. What's the joke about the DM? Like, the DM makes up his plot in the bathroom five minutes before the game, going, 
Oh no, I forgot again. I mean, that's that's iconic of many groups. And yeah, unfortunately <laughs> true. Okay, guys, yeah. um, I couldn't be bothered to come up with anything this week, so we will be starting at the beginning of the Monster Manual and continuing on yeah. to the end. Eric Okra. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, except I don't think Eric Okra's in it. Look, it was, it was in my edition. Depends on which edition you're playing. Yeah, anyway. Pathfinder. Oh, speaking of Pathfinder... Pathfinder doesn't even have a monster manual. It has a bestiary. Oh, be quiet. (laughs) Oh, I see the problem. But yeah, speaking of Pathfinder, apparently one of my littles, uh, my first little I got in uh, Film Paternity I'm in, apparently plays Dungeons & Dragons and things like that. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I mean, that's awesome, man. We we started talking to it, and I asked him what edition of uh, D&D he played, and he said Pathfinder. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) I love how that's an edition. (laughs) One other, one other um, quick gaming note. Yeah. This is going to be me not exercising sloth when I'm down at Fear the Con. I'm going to be learning Burning Wheel while I'm down there in um, an introductory scenario. It's kind of specifically designed to help people learn it. There you go. Uh, guess who I will also be in this scenario with? Former guest host Shannon Dixon. Oh, very good. Yeah, so that should that should be interesting. And then I will come back knowing another system and... Maybe we can finally allow Grant to play something other than D and D, which he has been uh, <laughs> he has been just pining to do for eons. It's, it's so true. Sadly, I read Burning Wheel and didn't like it very much. I honestly, well, I honestly think Burning Wheel might work better than Pathfinder for the Terran's Reprieve setting. Anyway, uh, the one thing I do want to say is, well, you were mentioned how you were exhibiting not sloth by going to Fear the Con, we're actually exhibiting sloth just right now. I mean, we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're we're tangenting. We're going off on something that's different to the point, and I started it. Uh, I'm going to say that I did it to make a huge object lesson of it right here, to talk about another ways in which sloth can do it. Even if the thing you're doing is productive in some way, if it's not productive on the thing that you're supposed to be focusing on right now, it's, it's a little bit of sloth there. Yeah, it is. To a certain degree. There's... Uh, you know what? I'm going to disagree with both of you here. I think okay. I think the goal for us recording here is to provide an interesting and informative podcast for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, and that stopped like five I... minutes ago, so we should really get back on track. <laughs> I think we're at least being interesting. I don't know about how informative it is. All right, so seriously. Banter has got to be at least somewhat entertaining, right, listeners? That's right. Come on. Please? Oh, wait, they can't respond. Yeah. Darn it. <laughs> we have no, like, a G-plus community or, like, comments or anything like that. If ever there was a case to hang out on air, I think I just made it, and yeah. I'm, like... <laughs> uh, we'll start streaming this eventually, I'm sure. Anyway, other forms of sloth. We talked about a procrastination a fair bit here. There's another form that I think is particularly dangerous and endemic to geek culture, and that's escapism. This is something we actually, Peter and I, talked about a lot in the first episode we ever did, uh, when we were talking about dangers of role-playing games. The real dangers, not some of the made-up dangers. Escaping into something else and dealing with your problems by not dealing with them, or dealing with things you need to do by just avoiding it entirely and hoping it solves itself, and someone else will pick up the slack for you, and all that good stuff. This is a time to pop in with a reminder that pretty much all of these sins are an overabundance of something that 
in moderation is okay. Everybody needs rest. If you don't sleep, you literally die. Yeah. If you don't um, take some time to relax and unwind, you can literally go crazy from it. I mean, you know, people get really burned out, and they, it starts to affect their mental health. Also, their physical health. I've seen my blood pressure numbers. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, some escapism is okay. It's when you are escaping more than you are dealing with what needs to be dealt with. Um, that it really starts to become a serious problem, and it probably becomes a moderate problem before then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and there's another form of sloth that's, as much as anything else, the extreme of these forms of sloth, which is just defiance, where it's an out-and-out refusal to do something that clearly should be done, and taking a perverse pleasure in that refusal. The best biblical example I can think of this is Jonah. No, I'm not going to Nineveh. Yes. You can't make me. By the way, you should never tell God that he can't make you do something. Yes. Turns out he can, even if he has to feed you to a giant fish to get you there. Yep. I I would like to throw in one other quick note as we're moving along, because it kind of segues into one of our other points here. Go ahead. Sloth itself is kind of a complementary or enhancer sin a lot of the time. Perversely, appropriately enough, the sin itself seems a little bit lazy. And defiance there is actually kind of a mix of sloth and wrath. This obviously needs to be done. I'm not going to do it. So there. Is it wrath or pride? It depends, I think, on the specific circumstances. If it's something that somebody else needs you to do, it's probably wrath. If it's something that you need to do for yourself, it's probably pride. It's the motivation of it. Are you not doing it because you're too good, or you don't think you sh- you need to, or are you not doing it because I right. hate you? I mean, yeah, yeah that's. That's an excellent point, actually. Yeah. This is beneath me is a totally different thing, as I'm not helping you. Sloth does combine with other sins, as many of these do. The exact nature of that form of sloth will vary from incident to incidents, moment to moment. When we talk about sloth in the context of a role-playing game, that can manifest in a couple of different ways. And let's kind of talk about in-game ways that we can use sloth or that sloth can come up kind of in the course of storytelling uh, to create problems for player characters, be something that players and their characters overcome and that sort of thing. Okay, so one of the most common examples is kind of the mercenary attitude, and you'll sometimes even see this from PCs where it's like, I'm not going to do that unless there's something in it for me. Now, that's sloth plus greed, but that is definitely one of the more common uses of it is somebody requires more motivation than they should to do something that clearly needs to be done. I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit there. I'm not sure that that's anything other than pure greed. In my opinion, you know, the mortal sin of sloth is just, I don't want to do that. I'm afraid to do that, or I don't feel like doing that now, even though I can clearly see it's the right thing. It eh, sounds hard. I'm going to debate you back on this a little bit, because I think in some cases it can certainly just be, you know, naked, unvarnished greed. You know, I have every intention of doing this, but I'm going to see how much advantage I can get for myself in the process. I think sloth can come into the picture when somebody really doesn't want to do something, but they could eventually be persuaded otherwise if it was made worth their while enough. That kind of offloads the responsibility of overcoming your sloth onto some other party, Hmm. but I think it's still sloth. That's fair. There's something in that, I suppose. 
you know, that's something that players and player characters sometimes will do in a game. It's a great thing to do to them with NPCs, too. It is. Sloth is kind of funny, because it's not your standard evil villain sort of sin. It's almost a sin of weakness, as it's, opposed it's to... It's one of the least malicious... The, uh, high villainy? It's one of the least malicious sins, I would say. In that sense, it's the greatest evil of all. I mean, what's the old saying? All that takes but, for evil but you're, to succeed right. is for good men to what? Do yep. nothing. Oh, good call, Brandon. Yeah, that's very mm-hmm. true. I, I would disagree that it's the greatest sin, because I think that's pride. Yeah, I'm pretty sure well, it's also pride, but it's definitely well, it can well, definitely be dangerous on its own. It, it, well, it's extremely dangerous. That's why it's a, a mortal sin. I'm sorry, let me clarify. It's the greatest sin in a good person. Okay. Because if a good person is not doing good works, mm-hmm. then you've just negated that person right off the board. Yeah, that's true. It's a very dangerous sin for anyone with responsibility. However great or small that responsibility is. There's the the parable of the talents, for Well, and there's also um, that poem, For Want of a Nail. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the message was lost. For want of a message, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And so it was, a kingdom was lost, all for the want of a nail. Well, I think that's a good example of how a little bit of sloth can cascade. If some seemingly trivial, important thing doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. because somebody just couldn't be bothered, it can have a horrible snowball effect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think we've all seen that in day-to-day experiences. Yeah, inflicted it on ourselves. Oh, yeah, plenty of times. To pull this back to a gaming context, talking about responsibility and kingdoms, there's a classic villain, you know, it's the, the ruler either paralyzed by indecision or unwilling to do the right thing for some reason. Uh, and Peter, you'd come up with a, a very good example that I think most of us will be familiar with, which is uh, Denethor, the high steward of Gondor from The Lord of the Rings, who, partly out of pride, but also out of an unwillingness to do what is right and proper and live up to the standards of his true office just did not help other kingdoms, uh, you know, claiming, well, you know, we need it for, you know, we need to protect ourselves and, you know, we, everything's about us. uh, And we just... It seems kind of like greed also. It's it's greed and pride. And gluttony. Some gluttony, but mostly, I think, pride and sloth in there in the sense of I'm taking this perverse pleasure in thwarting the people trying to do the right thing, because that sounds hard. I think players end up doing this a lot, or at least having their characters do it. Mostly, there's always an unwillingness to follow the GM's lead in games, or at least in a lot of games that I've played in. I think there's a certain, well, yeah, you know, the the right thing to do is over there, but I don't want to do that because it's... It seems to be what the GM wants, and let's go do this other thing and go waste time. So what you're saying is the DM draws you a map as, this is the map of the kingdom, and up here is an impassable desert where we're going to walk through it. But it's going to... No, no, we got this plan, we're going to go We're going to go right through it. I got I got this ring of desert walking. It's, it's, it's actually less that and more... It, it's kind of the other way around. It's, okay, guys, you know, here's a obvious problem that needs to be solved. I'm going to go to the end. Uh, what are you going to do? Drink. And I'm going to role-play out all that drinking. That's sloth and gluttony right there, yeah. I'm going to role-play out being totally irresponsible and getting hammered. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's something, certainly it's not in every game or every group or every session, but I think it's something we've all seen happen. It's almost spiteful defiance of the GM's plot and, you know, the obvious lead towards what the GM has come up with and the obvious need of character other characters in the game. I will say, I think there are times you can use Sloth as a good vice to overcome, because there is this very classic, heroic trope of the unwilling hero, the, the hero who doesn't feel he can... And then shows up in the nick of time. Should Yeah, the, the shows up in the nick of time or has their dramatic entrance. And this goes all the way back to the Iliad. Achilles hiding in his tent, being drawn out into the battle uh, in front of the walls of Troy. Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm a film major and I study a lot about the structure of stories and yeah. things like that. In film, and stories in general, there's often what's called the call to action, which is the hero gets a message that says, oh, we need you to save the day. This is the help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope that Luke gets. He's got this message for someone else, but it's definitely a call for him to jump into action. Then he says, no, I'm not going to do right. it. That's the refusal of the call. Like, every hero, or the classic hero, starts off slothful, because if you look around the world, everyone else is. No one else on Tatooine was picking up a lightsaber and going out to fight Darth Vader. No, it just so happened none of them were his kid, but it's the sin that makes you one of the crowd, basically. Is, this person is an NPC. They're not a PC. I mean, how many times in a game have you been like, why does this NPC just stand at the inn all day long, especially in video games. It's like, <laughs> yes. the, it's like, what lives do these people have just standing here and spouting one or two lines of dialogue? Scripted algorithmic ones. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> Scripted nothing. I, I'm thinking of like, you know, the first Final Fantasy games or something like that. You just walk into town and there's a man whose only line is, I like fish or something like that. Really? Yeah. Okay. He, he runs around in a circle, and that's all he ever does. Exactly. And he's saying, I like, I like fish. fish. I like fish. <laughs> that guy's not picking up his buster sword and going out and fighting Gaia or whatever Final Fantasy VII was about. That's right. That man may, in fact, actually need to uh, take a nap or something. He seems, yeah. to, he seems to be hallucinating or something. Well, him and everyone else, yeah. So, uh. in a sense, every single modern fantasy story has a anti-sloth message in it. Mm-hmm. Where it's go out and do something, because these people are not the ordinary person. They start off very much the everyman, because we want and need a character that we can relate to. Right. And what's more relatable than a dude who doesn't want to get up out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Everyone's felt that. Everyone's sat there and been like, oh, just five more minutes. Yeah, like, that sounds hard, Yeah, you know? Why me? The worst part is when five more minutes turns into falling asleep and almost sleeping too late to actually get to work on or time. actually sleeping too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I follow you on that. I, I think that's right. And it's an easy vice to overcome in a, in a story because all that's required is that the hero pick up that call to action and just do the thing, whatever it is. There are difficulties along the way that are the source of that sloth, or at least what he is focusing on when that sloth becomes manifest, that refusal of the the call to action, but all that really is required to turn that from the reluctant hero to the hero is, okay, yes, I'll do it. 
So you're right. I guess that's kind of what I was trying to go for, that very common call to action, refusal, and then acceptance uh, trope that happens in all of these stories. Now, there is one danger in this, and I think this is a danger specific to role-playing games, because it is a collaborative storytelling effort. And I have seen this happen. It's very possible, I think, in a role-playing game for a character or a group of characters to put off the acceptance of that call to action for too long. I think it's okay and in some sense admirable to try and have your character follow those heroic tropes, you know, there's a thing I need to do, I'm dreading it, I'm putting it off for a little bit, I'm not doing it, finally I see the need to step up, do the action, you know, take these actions and do the right thing. But in a role-playing game, I think it's very easy for that to keep getting put off and keep getting put off and, oh, well, now we need to do these other plots and wait a second, if we finish up this plot, then the game will be over and we're having fun, so why do we want to end the campaign now? Uh, can't we just put it off? And what you end up with is a character with no action on backstory or the plot, and a, a game and a plot hook that doesn't go anywhere. Interestingly, sometimes player sloth will negate character sloth, like, eh, playing a character that, that's that nuanced seems a little more difficult than I, what I feel like tackling, so I'm just going to try and play a one-dimensional hero who always charges after whatever and doesn't have any internal conflict. Yeah, that can certainly happen too, you're right. It's probably less problematic for a campaign as a whole than, you know, constantly chasing side quests and not following the main storyline, but I, I think especially amongst, like, experienced or particularly narratively driven role-playing groups, mm -hmm. that sort of thing actually can contribute negatively to everybody's enjoyment of the experience. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it, it certainly can. I think it can especially contribute if the game was going well, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, I don't want to deal with that tonight. You know, uh, yeah, okay, it's, we're at the big bad fight, but eh, I just, I don't feel it tonight. I don't want to put that effort into it. I, and we've all had nights like that, and certainly there are times when we just come in tired because we've had a long day. That was me last week a little bit, and I actually required some help from you guys to get going. Now, I think turning the, um, kind of the caravan NPC creation process into a collaborative effort gave us some really much more rich and interesting NPCs than I would have had originally. Sure. So in retrospect, I think it was good, but yeah. That's a was... victory of crowdsourcing. Like, everyone is going to have a, a whole bunch yeah. of more ideas than just you. And the fact that pretty soon, like, I had my little gimmick, and then I think I talked, granted, having his and Rose just sort of mm -hmm. melded the pieces together, and that was her little gimmick well, thing. I, I just like making yeah. things difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I, really, I hadn't noticed. With the, your your carpenter is just going to be... Uh... The carpenter? I hate that carpenter. <laughs> and see, and it's a good NPC because you hate him. You know, I have a feeling you're going to hate him until you get to the new world and he saves you all some exactly. point because he does have some valuable skills. He's just He does, and we've already started turning him into a better person. So it's great. Yeah. In truth, I, I will admit, I hate him a whole lot less now than I hated him when we created him. I was, I was ready at that next town to push him out a window and be like, oops. Yeah. Here, buddy, this is your new home. Now, don't try and follow us. Bye now. That's right. Out the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, where's Bob? He, um, he slept in. 
And you have reached your new world. He slept in, and by that I mean I tied him to his bed and then threw his bed in the river. <laughs> no, we just nailed his door shut. Yeah. We're not murderers. <laughs> You're not murderers, my guy. Aren't you playing a paladin? Posted, posted a sign that said, do not disturb on it. That's right. Then put another sign below that that said, I, I have sleep yelling. That's right. Um, <laughs> I talk in my sleep. Sometimes it sounds yeah. like shouts for help. <laughs> Please ignore all shouts for help from this room. I am That's a crazy awesome, No, wait, wait, wait. Okay, is that not an awesome NPC idea? Somebody who yells for help repeatedly in their sleep? <laughs> well, it sounds like nightmares. Oh, let's see here. Who's the most sane and flawless-seeming of the NPCs that are with you? I think that person may have just acquired this trait. Might have. Well, someone has, anyway. <laughs> Oh, yeah. good times. Wait, wait, are you giving the are you giving the little girl nightmares where she screams for help? We are now. No, I I I'm, I don't think I'm going to give your stonemason the I might do it with the uh the aristocrat with the peg leg. See? That might be interesting. I'm going to take credit for that peg leg too. She's fun. Yeah, that that peg leg was totally your idea. I know. Really proud of that one. Apparently, my my <laughs> contribution to this entire game has been physical disabilities. <laughs> Leg related ones, no less. For those of you who are not in our uh, what's it called, uh, our, our gaming group, which is which is all of you, everyone out there, you probably have no clue what we're talking about. And I'm gonna leave this in simply so that every single one of you guys know, like this is this is the stuff that I have to edit with. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um... We should really try and find our way back to the main point here. We really should. All right. Well, sloth. I think the curse of sloth has hit us yet again. Apparently so. No, I think this is the curse of attention deficit disorder. Oh, the same difference. That that. No, too. not at all the same. It's, it's it's our again. It's our fallen natures coming forward. Yeah. Sloth. Who wants to go to a podcast? I want to play that Magic the Gathering game yeah. stuff again. We haven't all right, done that so in a while. Maybe the best example. Uh, of this idea of refusing the hero's call. Uh, and I don't know who wrote this down, but it's absolutely right. Peter Parker and his Uncle Ben. I, at this point, I don't think this is a spoiler for anybody, because I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this podcast is geeks. No Spider-Man's no, origin? Yeah, or at yeah. least can go find the movie. It's been out long enough. Peter Parker you know, decides not to help someone who you know, was... Chasing after a thief. Chasing after a thief, and... That ended up a. It's you know it's not good for him. There's the the sloth in that moment. He takes this sort of perverse pleasure in not helping at that moment because it's he's spiting the guy who is chasing after the thief you know, because he'd had a disagreement with him. I think the details of that disagreement varies from it does canon retcon to canon retcon. But there we are. Well, that thief ends up killing uh, his uncle Ben and inspiring Peter Parker to really become Spider-Man and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways, that's the last time he ever exhibits sloth, really. It really is, but it, you know, it, it takes that sort of shock and that consequence to get him to realize, okay, this, this is what happens. This is the result of sloth. This is why it's such a danger. It's the difference between superhero and villain, because... If Peter Parker hadn't somewhat internally blamed himself for the loss, he could have turned into a villain 
it seems a lot of times that villains blame society while the hero blames themselves. Yeah, that's true. You know something that's a little bit of an interesting tangent to that? What? Blaming yourself while not always accurate or healthy is at least empowering because then it allows you to do something about it. I don't know that that is always empowering. Yeah, I don't think that this is something that we're I find going it that to be... way with work-related mistakes in myself, anyway. I, I think that's a, a personal thing, because a lot of times, for me, that becomes an excuse to not deal with the problem, because it's, oh, it's just, it's me screwing up again, uh, or... Oh, see, you for know, me, it... it's like, it's a huge pet peeve. If you don't let me fix my own mistake, I'll flip out a little. Yeah, and, and I think that varies from from person to person. Yeah, it probably does. And some of this may be, I've had issues with depression much of my life, and a lot of that depression is just this self-focus and self-blame and that sort of thing. When It's completely unjustified, but it keeps you from doing the things that you should be doing. It keeps you in this, eh, that sounds like work kind of mentality. So, I, that may be a, a more personal thing. And for you, you know, if, if that works, awesome. Let's not beat around the bush here. I'm a crazy ISTJ. Yeah, well, okay, there's that. Maybe it does work that way for some people. I don't think it works that way for me, and i that's really about all <laughs> everyone I can talk speak for. Um, do we want to talk about Sloth outside of the game and at the gaming table? Yeah, I think we need to cover this a little bit. There's a couple forms that this can take. There's kind of the obvious ones, people showing up unprepared, which we've touched on. This can especially include the GM. Yeah, unwillingness to follow the plot. Again, we've touched on that. An unwillingness to learn the rules, I think, is important. That's certainly a form of sloth, especially if you have access to the rules. And they're not somehow beyond your comprehension, like you're not, you know, playing hero and you don't have a calculator handy, you know, things like that. Uh, If it's a, a really simple system that you have the capacity to grasp, you just don't want to because that sounds like work. If you can't, yeah, if you can't be bothered to learn fate, for instance. Yeah. Hey, it's 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 D and D. Do I roll high or low? Yeah. Well, your fifth session should not be coming up. You know. Yeah. Roll low. Roll low all the time. Always lowest. That's right. That's right. You're number one. <laughs> there you go. Um, Who wants to be twenty in line? <laughs> I want to be number one. Exactly. Um, I think this is something that kind of touches on a lot of the things that we talk about on this show, which is an unwillingness to help other people get into our hobby and an unwillingness to teach them games and rules and how to do the things we do, role-play, you know, things like that, within the game. Because, again, uh, it sounds hard, or I don't know how to explain it to this person, or I just don't want to be that outgoing today, things like that. That's a very obvious form of sloth, and it's actively keeping someone else from enjoying the game to their fullest potential. Being unwilling to address problems at the table, because I don't want to cause drama. How how many times have you heard that excuse? Yeah. I I don't want to bring this up. I don't want to start a fight. I don't want to do this thing. I I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Well, and sometimes that's not always bad. You know, I, I don't want to cause unnecessary drama over something petty is very different from I don't want to cause very justified drama over something important. Right. You know, if there is a genuine problem at the table and you just don't want to deal with it, that's absolutely sloth. Now, if there's, you know, this guy ordered pepperoni and I hate pepperoni, that's not sloth so much as just a decision to not make a scene over something petty. 
you're, you're right, but there yeah, are... pull the pepperoni off and stick it on your napkin and eat it as his cheese pizza or something, you know? Or just, you know, say, hey, who wants extra pepperoni? Done. Solved. Yeah. Um, and then last, and I think most important for us as Christians, if there's an unwillingness to help other people at, the, at your gaming table, and really in all of your social circles, with problems that they're having in their life, that's a, a very real and very very dangerous form of sloth. Uh, dangerous to yourself, you're letting sloth prevent you from being charitable, and dangerous to them because they clearly need help. They need a Christian to reach out to them in some form, and they're not getting that help. Even something as simple as praying for people, or not praying for people who need prayer, you know, it's something that we as Christians should absolutely do, but that we so often don't do because, well, I feel awkward. It, you know, this is not the. I feel awkward. I don't know this guy. I don't you know? I don't know what it is, and it, it'd be weird. How do I even go about praying for this person? Yeah, yeah, it's what one of the things that I personally found, which you know, other people's mileage may vary. I have found that the the best way to kind of police myself on this is if I say I'm going to pray for somebody, I need to do it like right then. Yes. And, and that probably is true for anybody who understands that one of their serious problems is sloth. I I have this exact thing. If I don't do something right now, I will forget about it, or I will keep finding reasons to put it off. You're, you're right. And that if you have the opportunity to pray for someone or with someone, do that. Don't don't let a, a fear of rocking the boat, or, uh, you know, a fear of the difficulty involved in that or just simple laziness, get in the way of that. Not to say you should make someone else uncomfortable if they're not ready for you to pray with them or things like that, but certainly pray for them uh, if they're really going through something. Yeah, Yeah. do we have anything else to talk about with Sloth? I don't think I have anything else. Okay. I would be willing to wrap this up and go to bed. Cool. Yeah, I don't think I have right. anything either. Yeah, as always with these Virtues and Vices episodes, we would love to have listeners comment and contribute to this. You know, when the episode drops, we've got all our usual social media stuff that you can get to on our website. We'll continue the discussion there, I suppose. Um, All right, well, if we don't have anything else, I guess we should definitely wrap this up, like you said, Brandon. Mm -hmm. Well, um, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yep, have a good evening. See ya. This has been a production of Saving the Game. Copyright 2013. This podcast may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, provided that credit is given to savingthegamepodcast.org. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. For past episodes, podcast news from our hosts, or to connect with us, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.